It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. You know, a lot of people will be asked, what's your favorite day of the week? And many times they'll say, Friday. Well, we love Friday here on Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday where we get to answer your questions. Sometimes they're call-ins, but sometimes these are questions that you send in at word at AFR.net, Facebook, or something that you've asked Alex or myself. And uh, today we're just going to answer some of those questions. And usually they're questions that people would call in and ask, so it's not separate. And so we spent 10 years answering a bunch of questions, and now we've got it in print. Alex, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Well, it is. I, I give God the glory. We really give God the glory. And you need to understand that the answers are not of us. Um, sometimes people say, they'll say, Alex, what do you and Bert think about this or that? And what what Alex and Bert think is is not the question. I've had to lay down a lot of things. I think I, exactly. I mean, to answer it biblically, Bert Harper has to say, "Okay, I've got to nail my thinking to the cross." Exactly. And I say oh, that. I don't beautiful. Mean, is that you know? Yes. I do because man, the question is, what does God's word? What say? does God's word say? And and what we personally endeavor to do in our own life, and and we would highly recommend it for everybody, is build your life, your beliefs, your perspectives, your priorities from from God's Word. Because God's Word is the roadmap for life, isn't it? It is. I'd say we need to be biased, biblically biased. Exactly. I know bias is not a good word, but it is when it's biblical. And you don't need to back up and say the Bible. Now, you, the Bible does say answer with meekness, you know, yes. and tenderness. We, we don't have to be rough and gruff. Right. And sometimes with my voice, it comes across that way. And I understand that because I'm so adamant and I'm excited and passionate. It just it's part of who I am. I'm I'm kind of a cheerleader. You've got and, a lot know, of energy. Yeah, I have a lot of energy. And sometimes it's conveyed in the wrong way. But the Bible Yes. is the answer. It really is. And we go to that, and that's that's why we do what we do, exploring the Word, not exploring our thoughts. Well, that's true. And, you know, I'm going to open up with a scripture um, that is familiar to so many people. I would bet many, many people that are listening to this show, you will instantly know this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And, you know, it's interesting. Angie and I were newlyweds. I could take you to the very spot, and we were having devotions and reading the Bible one day, and I saw that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I read it and reread it, and I thought, Eureka! This is my, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And when we say that the the, the Word of God is the blueprint for for a successful life, or it's the roadmap for life, it really is. And we've got some questions that people have sent in. But what we want to say from the get go, this is not about Alex and Bert's opinion. Although, you know, inevitably, I think sometimes our opinions get in here because you can't help that. It does. But let me share. It's just like the Word of God. And I'm not putting on what we say on the level of the writers of the Bible. I'm not. 
what we want to do is say what the writers of the Bible said and bring it to real life here. But even in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they cover, especially the first three, they're called the synoptic Gospels okay. because they cover a lot of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, where John covers most of Jesus' ministry in Judah and around Jerusalem. Yeah. They really do. But they tell a lot of the same stories, but you see their personalities in the truth of the Word of God. Amen. Luke majors on physical issues. Because what was his? He was a physician. Yeah. Matthew brings in numbers like nobody else. What was he? He was a tax collector. Mark, which was probably Peter telling his story through Mark, mm-hmm. notice the main word that you hear again and again in the Gospel of Mark immediately. I mean, he oh, gets yeah. right I mean, to it. It's straightway. It's the shortest book, straightway, and and it shows Peter's personality. Whereas John, the apostle of love, he has eleven different uh, conversations that Jesus had with an individual or a small group of people, and he covers those. Uh, Alex, so what we do, we're wanting to discover the the will of God through the Word of God. Amen. You know. I want to just give a testimony, Bert. The Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. When I came to the Lord, I was a college student, and um, I knew my life was different. I, I knew something very, very, very real had happened within me. And But right away at school, I had some friends that were like, um, you're a Christian? Well, what about evolution? What about the dinosaurs? And I, I didn't know the answer to what that. What about the flood? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. What about the flood? Yeah. And... Um, Seriously, I'll never forget, I was driving my delivery truck, that's what I did for a job, and I was in a town called Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I was making a delivery at at the back of a grocery store, that's what I did, and I um, had a gospel booklet, and there was a man, I, I vividly remember this, and he took the Lord's name in vain, and I kind of timidly, but I said, uh, sir, I, you really ought not do that, because the Bible says don't take his name in vain, and and he began to, he said, oh, are you one of these holy rollers? And I said, well, I, I am a Christian. And he goes, you mean to tell me there's only one way to go to heaven? And I said, well, that's what Jesus said. And I'm trying to share the gospel And he, anyway. I had a lot of people in my life that were kind of firing questions. And I had only been a believer a little short while. But I remember one time I was having, you know, quiet time. And, and I just thought to myself, and I will tell you, I made a choice. Now, everything I've studied for 30 years and researched and gone around the world, and I've been to many libraries, I've interviewed scholars and been able to write, everything I've ever researched has validated the choice I made. But I was a young believer, maybe a couple of months into the faith, and I thought, I am going to believe this book. And I didn't know, I mean, I I didn't know anything about anything, but I just knew Jesus Christ had changed me somehow, some way, and I couldn't answer all of my friends at school that were asking about evolution and dinosaurs. And the man on my delivery route that was denying Jesus was real, I didn't have the answers at that point. But And it was the Holy Spirit, I know. But I just thought to myself two things, and I've told you this, so forgive my repetition, but I thought, whatever it means to be a follower of Christ, I'm going all the way. 
I'm going to be, I'm not, and I, I had some friends that dabbled in church. And I thought, whatever it means to be a follower of Jesus, I want the full dose. The other thing I thought, I looked down at my Bible, and I just somehow in my heart, I thought, God Almighty would not give the human race a false message. Amen. And I thought, I will believe this book. Now, again, everything I've researched for three decades plus has validated that. But I look back, and, and I the reason I'm sharing this, Bert, there might be somebody listening, and I, I'm just saying this, trust God. Amen. The Word of God doesn't lie. The Bible is not mistaken. The good Lord would not mislead you. My friend, believe God. Trust God. Everything in my life, from marrying Angie to going to Liberty, and here I am today— and, and I do look, and I see God has led my life. But I honestly think a lot hinged on that moment that I said, I choose, I will believe his word. You see, that is, it was a small, it was a crisis of faith. Yeah. Will I believe this or believe that? I honestly think it comes into every believer's life concerning which path to go. Am I going to be nominal? Am I just going to, you know, coast alone? Listen, that crisis of faith hit me one night as well. I was driving home from Blue Mountain College. It was a, had a night course. And I, I got to, am I going to believe the Word of God, all of it, even about Jonah? Am I going to believe the Moses part of the Red yes, Sea? Am, am I, I believe it. And I, I said, what else is there to believe? And I had gone to a Bible camp where it says there was 300 and at least 360 promises or predictions or prophecies concerning Jesus, birth, life, death, resurrection, even to the point of where he'd be buried, how much money was going to be used to betray him. That was said hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. And I remember every one of those came true. And I said, there's no other book that has that. Science books has changed. Even math books can be missed. As that's the reason I like math in the Bible. They were sure. They're absolutely they're sure. But it was it was the Word of God that crisis of faith. And Alex, I think you're doing a good job. We may be talking to someone, maybe a student. Yeah. Uh, it it may be a mom or dad. Maybe someone they're having a crisis of faith. Do I really believe? the Word of God. Do I believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life? Alex and I, on the authority of the Word of God, say Jesus is the way. Amen. There's no one like him. There never has been, never will be. Jesus is truth. He is truth, yes. and he is the way. There's not an alternative way. There's not a detour that you can get to the same place. you got to go through Christ and Christ alone. And and he brings hope. He changes lives I've never seen anybody get a hold of a math book and say, oh, this math book has changed my life. Oh, this history book is good, but it doesn't change lives. The Word of God, the Bible, has changed thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives, just like they got a hold of Proverbs chapter 3 mm -hmm. and nailed it down. He will direct our paths. It is a sure word, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, on the subject of encouragement, and uh, we are going to get to some Bible questions here in a little bit. <laughs> We're just preaching yeah, a little while. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, I, I was very, very privileged to know and work under a brilliant man named Norm Geisler. 
G-E-I-S-L-E-R. He went to heaven in the summer of 2019. He did his Ph.D. at Loyola University. Uh, and Dr. Geisler, honestly, um, I, this might sound like an exaggeration, he had to be one of the most brilliant men of the 20th century. He wrote, um, he wrote like 80 books and contributed to 40 or 50 others. He was very, very knowledgeable. Well, he was the greatest living scholar on a man named Thomas Aquinas. And there were a number of other, he was great on moral issues. Um, and I mean, I knew him well, stayed at his house. We were in some ways almost like father and son. And he was a pretty tough critter. I mean, he could be uh, a little bit abrasive. He was not, you know, this emotional guy. But I want to tell you, Dr. Geisler was probably a genius level IQ, and he believed the Word of God. And there were all these questions, and people would have, you know, well, what about this? What about that? And sometimes Dr. Geisler's answers would be very in-depth. But the bottom line, he was a defender of what we call the inerrancy of Scripture. In fact, he was one of the people, along with R.C. Sproul and J.I. Packer and a number of others, um, that, I mean, I cannot overstate how scholarly a lot of these guys were. And around about 1980, they convened something called the, um, the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy. And honestly, Bert, um, there just aren't quite scholars like this around anymore. I mean, it's the difference between uh, Little League and uh, Big League Baseball. And these men, they believed every word of the Bible, as do we. And when the Spirit of God gets in you with the Word of God, great wisdom comes forth. Hey, we're going to get to some of those questions when we come back with more of Exploring the Word. Now, back to the Bible study, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here, and we're answering questions. And by the way, if you want to uh, submit a question sometime, maybe your Bible question will become the content for a future show. But we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach us uh, through this email, word at afr.net, word at afr.net. But let's go to some questions, Bert. What do you say? Okay, these are two, but I wanted to combine them okay. and uh, because they're about prayer. And prayer is important. Matter of fact, this past Sunday at First Baptist Church Baldwin, where I'm interim pastor here close to Tupelo, sure. uh, someone asked, said, do you recommend a book or a study on prayer? And, and the Bible's a good source, by the way. Uh, there's others. There's workbooks. Yes. But I, I was trying to be a little bit funny there. But here's the two questions. Can I be sure that God is listening to my prayers? Mm. And that combined with this, how can I pray so that God will answer my prayers? Now, let's take the last one first, okay? Mm. Uh, is no—I want to ask something very simple. Is no an answer? It is. So when is. God answers my prayers, it's not always in agreement with me. It's sort of similar to parents. Yeah. My three sons, Nathan, Matthew, and Micah, our three sons, would ask Jan and myself a question— and they'd ask, can I do this? Can I do that? And sometimes the answer was, no, that was the answer. 
And uh, so God sometimes says no. Sometimes he says, not now, yeah. not now. And sometimes he says, yes, you ask, you have not because you ask not. I've been waiting on you to ask that. Wow. Well, you know, I've heard uh, different ones say that God has three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait for something better. <laughs> not just wait, but yeah. wait for something better. And God, God does answer our prayers. He always does. How can I be sure that God is listening to my prayers? Well, the Bible says your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and he will not hear. I can, I can tell you how I know that he's not going to answer uh, if we have unforgiveness in our heart, if we have rebellion in our heart. If we, I, I really do think that we have to thoroughly deal with all of the known, the, the things he's directing us that we know. If, if we're obstinately not letting go of something God is telling us to turn away from, that's going to hinder our prayer life, isn't it? It will. You were quoting from Isaiah 59. Yes. Let me read the verse before that. You were quoting verse 2. two. Let me quote verse, or read verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Mm. God, do you catch that? God chooses not to hear you. The Bible says, on the other hand, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. So, Parts of prayer. Let's talk about that. There's confession, yeah. you know. There's confession that we have in our lives that we confess our sins and, and and we make much of that. There's a spirit of thanksgiving in prayer. It's hard for me to start at now. I can cry out to God when the desperate need is there so bad. Yes. And sometimes I just say, God help, God do this. But when I'm praying in a manner, I, I, I usually put my thanksgiving before my request yeah. because I want him to know. And then there's admiration, adoration of him, a little bit different than thanksgiving and adoration. Thanksgiving has the idea of what he has done for me. Adoration is for who he is. And I, that's the way I look at it, Alex. And then I want to intercede as well. I, I, I want to pray for people. Uh, there's some people right now in my life, uh, kin, there's kinfolk and dear friends that are, are a possibility of death is a reality. And this morning before I came in, Jan and I spent time praying for them and asking God to do a work. So interceding. So God hears those. But if you let iniquities and sin come into your life, he will not hear. Mm. He chooses not to hear. Yeah. Pride, let me give one more and then take pride. Pride yeah. is the quickest way to stop the hand of God. So yeah. don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You, you know, D.L. Moody, who I love so dearly, he said, every great move of God can be traceable to someone on their knees in prayer. And, you know, we need, we often think of prayer about our personal uh, needs and our personal situation. But think about your prayer ministry, your contributions to the overall work of God. And um, let me just say, if ever there were a time that we, the church, need to have a powerful, healthy, robust prayer life, I mean, it is right now. And the Moody quote about, it, you know, every move of God is traceable to someone on their knees in prayer. Hey, 
May God grant that it be so in our lifetime. We need a great move of God. So let's position our heart and let's thoroughly search our our heart and mind out that he will hear our prayers and things will happen. Alex, I want to ask you a question, see if you agree, yes or no. Feel free to do either. I, I make this statement a lot of times when I'm preaching that I know the most important position in this church, whatever church, it's not the pastor, it's not the music director, it's not the deacon chairman, it's not the elder board, it is the prayer warriors. Amen. I, 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 and guess who can be a prayer warrior? Everybody, anybody, yeah, sure. Not everybody's to be the preacher. Not everybody can carry a tune and play an instrument. Not everyone has great abilities in administration. But I want to tell you, if you pay the price, you can be a prayer warrior. Amen. And I I don't know of any. My mother-in-law, when I was having her funeral, I asked the question. I said, she was a prayer warrior. She prayed for me. I asked, how many of you here today, this before COVID, so we had a large group, how many people here know that Jeanette McBrayer prayed for you. Would you please stand? There wasn't a person in that audience that did not stand. And they mm. stood immediately. Wasn't wait like looking around to see if everybody else was. They just stood because she was a prayer warrior. Give us more of those. Oh, amen. Give us amen. more prayer warriors. Well, you know, in a similar light, and um, we just pulled out a a dozen or so questions from recent um, correspondence, and we're going to get to as many as we can. But somebody asked this question, does God always forgive sins that I continue to repeat? Now, uh, let me just say this. I, I think any Christian would know that unconfessed sin and willful disobedience will slam the brakes on your Christian life. I mean, if you want the favor and the blessing of God to come to an abrupt halt, just as the Bible says, regard iniquity in my heart, you know. Uh, Repetitive sin, there's a couple of things that I think about here. For one, um, if you've got sin that you're choosing to repeat— there's a reason for that, and it could be that you've not been saved yet. <laughs> uh, so, number one, make sure that you've put your faith in Christ and are born again. But even as a born-again Christian, you know, Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about besetting sins. And, Bert, you know, what, what is a bad temptation to one man may not even be a temptation to the other guy. Only you, my dear friend, you know what your weak spots are. You know where you um, have a, a tendency to fall away from God. Only you know the things you struggle with. I would urge you to, before you even talk about forgiving sins, take it to God and say, Lord, I've got this area. And I, I don't know, maybe it's envy or anger or hatred or unforgiveness or or some wound or, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, lust or, or profanity or pornography or substance abuse or dishonesty. You know, maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you've stolen from your employer or you're, maybe you've got a problem with lying or telling the truth or you're, you're not reading the Bible or praying and you've, you're not uh, attending to your Christian growth. Only you know what your issue is. But for one, confess it to God and say, Lord, I need your help with this. 
Father God, I admit, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to throw it to you, part of spiritual victory is calling sin by its right name and owning the problem. Look, our sin is not uh, a bad habit or a tendency. Look, we've got to call sin by its right name. And as C.S. Lewis said, sin is rebellion against the Most High God. The other thing, and friend, this will set you free. Own it and say to God, Father God, I admit, remember, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And say, Lord, I admit that I've done this, and I need your help. And God will begin to help you if we'll admit it and turn to him fully for our solution. Amen, Alex. It helps me to look at sin in a specific way, but also see it from a biblical perspective. Like, And I know you've heard this, omission and commission. Mm -hmm. There's sins that I, I do. Paul said there's things I should do and I don't do them, sin of omission. There's sins that I do that I shouldn't do, sins of commission. Idolize that or, or identify that, excuse me, identify that. And then John talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, here's what I've observed, and I, I as I've studied the Scriptures and do that, I believe. It seems like the lust of the flesh works early. In a, now, you always have to deal with all of them at all times, but they seem to come in in bunches at certain times in their life. In the young, uh, lust of the flesh. Remember what they said, flee youthful lust. lust yeah. So those sins seem to come uh, at you in the young life, and they're to be overcome. They're not to be—you're not to make excuses for sin, okay, uh, because of your, uh, you know, your inheritance, your whatever it is, your DNA— but then the lust of the eyes seemed to come in the Middle Ages. You know, at age 40, uh, they say there's always this evaluation. Look what Johnny has. We graduated together, and he lives in a house that, man, on you know, he has a big car, has a nice boat, The you know, the lust of the eyes. And then finally, the pride of life. Now, again, these all come at all ages. But the pride of life, you start investigating. Look what I've done or haven't done with my life. Take Mm -hmm. stock in that, you know. And, well, you start feeling sorry for yourself as you get older. Well, nobody ever cares. Nobody ever remembers me. Yeah. You know, so each one of these has their own. And when Jesus was being tempted, if you look at the three temptations he had in the wilderness, all three of those, each one of those come in one of these categories. And and so you can overcome sin. You don't have to be a repeater of it. You can give it to God. You can rely upon him. Turn away. Proverbs says turn away from it. You know? Yes. Turn away. Do If you have a problem drinking liquor, and it's uh, you're you're using it. Don't drive by the liquor store on your uh, way yes, on your it, way home. Yes, go a different route. Uh, avoid it if you can. Uh, well, and you know I've said this quote endless numbers of times. I forgive my repetition, but one of my favorite quotes by John Piper. He said, "Too many of us are in the business of sin management rather than repentance." Maybe you've struggled with something for years and years and years, and you've somehow subtly told yourself, "Well, I guess this is just how things are." No, um, understand that God loves you. 
His grace and his care for you is undiminished. Maybe you've been in a cycle of defeat for years and years. The God of eternity, who is above time, still wants to set you free. And you know what? Um, the, The liberated life, and the Bible uses the word sanctification, which means set apart. And, and really, sanctification includes being set free. Mm-hmm. Bert, aren't you glad that we serve the Savior who not only saves our soul, and when you leave this world, if you're a believer, you go to heaven, not hell. Okay, that, that's great. But we serve the Savior that cares about blessing us in the here and now. And one of the ways God wants to richly bless you is to liberate you from the captivity of bad habits and sin. Amen, Alex. He desires for you to walk with him. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? No. I said no. I mean, that was an obvious question. We need to agree with God. We're not asking God to come and join us in, in my journey. Yeah. He's a friend that sticks closer. He is there. But we want to go with God's path. I love the story of Enoch. Enoch walked with God, yeah. and he was not. Yeah. I, I, this is preacher material. Probably everybody's heard it. But uh, since Enoch walked with God, they were out walking one day, and it was close to the end of the day. And God said to Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are yours, so come yeah. on, go home with me, Enoch. Amen. And, and, and uh, you know, that— Again, that's just having some uh, looking at that from that perspective. But it is walking with God, and it is agree with agreeing with Him. Being, it, let me ask, say this: being in step with Him. Amen. Well, you know what? I got a story that I, I love. Mark Twain, fascinating writer. Mark Twain was not known as the greatest friend of Christianity, unfortunately. But in Boston, he had a, a friend that was a ruthless businessman, and they were talking about eternity. And Mark Twain said, well, you know, what are you going to do uh, about God? And this businessman who was a, a cutthroat businessman Uh, He said, well, I'm going to go to Israel. Before I die, I'm going to go to the Holy Land. Because, see, in the 19th century, people were beginning to take a boat ride and go to Israel. This businessman, he said, someday before I leave this world, I'm going to go to Israel. I'm going to go to the top of Mount Sinai with a copy of the Ten Commandments. And from the top of Mount Sinai, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments. Mark Twain said, well, I got a better idea. Why don't you stay here in Boston and keep the Ten Commandments? <laughs> and do you know what? I mean, it's, it's, it's real. We talk about this and that and the other. How about we take God at his word and begin to live with him and for him? God's hand is not shortened. His ear is not turned away. But your sins and iniquities have turned God away that he will not hear you. Confess those sins. Confess those iniquities. Walk with God and he will hear you, and he will answer that prayer. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world of 
I love that old song. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King with Jesus, my Savior. I'm a child of the King. And we welcome you back to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Bird and I are answering some questions that have come in. And uh, we're so glad you're listening, and we appreciate that very much. And Bert, um, there's a question. Somebody said regarding Samson. And, you know, you and I talked through during the time of the judges. Somebody writes in, regarding Samson, why was the strength, why was his strength connected to the length of his hair? And you remember, um, he got a haircut, and he found himself in some bad trouble. He was uh, in Delilah's salon. <laughs> That's right. He went to the Delilah salon. But um, his physical strength, strongest man who ever lived, somehow was connected to the length of his hair. Now, give us kind of the backstory on all this, would you, Bert? Well, Samson is a unique guy. And matter of fact, he's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, in Hebrews 11. He was, and he is. And that's I find that amazing. But it gives me a lot of hope to know that Amen. God can do great things with some very weak people. But in the Bible, Samson was a Nazarite for life. Okay. Now, people would take a Nazarite vow for a season, uh, not cut the hair. And there was three, at least three qualities, not partake of anything of the vine. No, no wine, no alcohol, uh, you know, and the other not go through a dead body, you know, and the other was not cut the hair. Now, people would do that for a while, a season. Uh, if you look at the Apostle Paul, there was a time in his life when he was going to go to Jerusalem and he'd made a vow. Yeah. Now, we don't know. It doesn't say he made a Nazarite vow, but it would it would be similar to that, making a vow during this period of time. I'm not going to eat any meat uh, during this time. I'm not going to cut my hair. You know, there'd be some vow connected. But there were three men in the Bible that we know were Nazarites for life. That's highly unusual, just three. Now, there's a lot of prophets. There's a lot of judges. There's a lot of priests. There's a lot of kings, but three Nazarites, only three. One was Samson, the other one was Samuel, and the other was John the Baptist. And they were separated by a good bit of time you know, from each one going from the other, uh, Samson to Samuel. Wasn't that far, but Samuel would be called the last judge and the first prophet kind of in that category. But they had these vows. Now, with Samson, uh, we know he broke one of those about going to a near dead body because of the lion he yeah. found laying and he found honey. And the jawbone. Uh, of- yeah, and jawbone of a donkey. Yes, that was real. He was a party guy. You know, uh, uh, one gets that impression. Yeah, you get it. And alcohol had was well, served. You you just know that. But see what happened with the the dead. That was him. It's kind of personal. It wasn't widespread. You know, and the party. It was a, an exclusive group. And I don't mean good exclusive, but just a few. But the hair was the greatest outward expression of this vow that he had. Now we talk about him being the strongest man in the world. It didn't seem like it was that way all the time. It was only, the Bible would say, when the Spirit would come upon him. It sounded sort of similar to adrenaline. You know, if you ever got a rush of adrenaline, Mm -hmm. I remember as a teenager, uh, my sister lived next door to where we lived. I was just a teenager, and their house caught on fire. And there was this young man who was a little older than me. We went out there. And while the fire was going, it was in the back, we started carrying things out of the house. Mm-hmm. Some of them were very heavy. 
And after the fire was put out and the house was destroyed, the merchandise that we got out of the house, some men started loading it on a truck. Some of the stuff that this teenager and I, a little older than me, we're talking about about 14, 15 years old, that we had carried out by ourselves, it was taking four huge big men oh my to load on the truck. What wow. was the issue? It was the issue of adrenaline. It yeah. coming and us going. So it seems like the Spirit would come upon Samson at these times, and he could do great exploits. But the one expression that he kept close to that vow was his hair. Mm. It wasn't the hair. The hair wasn't the strength. The hair was the representative of this vow that he had made, and he was to fill it with God. And so it, that's the connection. Absalom had long hair, but it was a sign of rebellion for him. Well, that's true. The sign for Samson, it was a a, a, a sign of separateness. And it was I am public. For God. It was public. All right, him touching a dead body, breaking his Nazarite vow— that pretty private. Nobody would have seen that. Right. And he partied and drank and got uh, chased women. That, at least to some degree, might have been private. But here's a man with a Nazarite vow who's supposed to have uncut hair, and he comes in with a crew cut. The whole, everybody sees that. Everybody knows. And and I want to make sure I understand this. The the power. See the Nazarite vow. It was a calling. Like Samuel followed it. John the Baptist. Well, Samson was obeying God, and as when he did obey God, the power of God was on him. But being in flagrant disobedience and falling away from God, the, the, the presence of God left him, therefore the power of his strength left him. Yeah, one of the worst scriptures in the Bible, he found out he was as any other man. He was yeah, as any other man. And it was kind of like the last straw. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can be a parent or you can be a coach. Uh, you know, I talked to a coach that had a superstar on their team, college coach, and this one guy, you know, he would bend the rules, but he said, I'd had enough, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back just too much. Uh, Samson, he had he had tested God and tested God, and this was the straw that broke, broke the camel's back, cutting the hair. Um, when I went to Liberty University, we had a chapel three times a week, and one of the very first chapels I ever sat in, a wonderful missionary was sharing, and he said, I want to tell you all, the easiest place in the world to get backslidden is at a Christian college, because you're just immersed in it all, all the time. And I know most people probably have heard this saying that in the work of the Lord, don't lose the Lord of the work. And maybe you're a Christian, and yes, you know the Lord, you're a born-again believer, but you're just going through the responsibilities of every single day. And in the the walk of life, you can somehow get cold and lose the Lord of life. And Samson did that. Like you said, one day he realized I'm as weak as any other man. The sad thing about it was, and, and I think this is one of the saddest verses in the Bible, said Samson did not know... He did not realize the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Yeah. Isn't that? Is. Can you imagine um, the Lord's presence leaving you and you didn't even notice? Yeah. There's a song, old, old song. I've not heard it sung in ages. Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Mm. Uh, wasted, wasted years that he could have had. I mean, doing what God had called him to do, but he 
sinned and, mm-hmm. and it fled from him. Now, he had one great last act where, you know, he would destroy more people in that time than he had all the other times before. But listen, don't don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on frivolous things. Mm. Uh, you know, spend your time on things that really count. Well, somebody writes in and, uh, you know, there's so many questions. I'm just trying to figure out what would be the most helpful thing to do, God, uh, to do next. Somebody writes in regarding Second Chronicles 7.14, because we quote this a lot. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, God says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. Somebody writes in with a question, what does it mean, quote, to seek God's face? Thank you for selecting that. That was the one I'd hope you'd select. Really? I love that. I love that. I love it. Well, I'm going to say this. I think at least a part of seeking God's face is in the very next line. It says, turn from your wicked ways. Amen. See, very much, you're going one of two directions. Either you're going toward God and with God, or you're going away from God. You know, so in the, quote, seeking God's face, Bert, at least part of it means turning away from sin. Amen. You have to have you you notice it seeking his face and not his hand. Okay, seeking his hand has the idea of blessing. You know, you hand out blessing. Blessings are good. I want God's blessing, but I'd rather have his approval. Hmm. Seeking his face has the idea of of his approval. Uh, do you remember seeking his face? You remember when Peter was denying the Lord? Uh, which gospel is it, Mark, or which one? It says he and Jesus, while Jesus was being transferred from Pilate to Caiaphas and back and forth, their, uh, eyes, met. their eyes met. And when Peter saw the Lord, he went out and wept bitterly over what he had done, yeah. the horrible, seeking his face. In that day when we see him face to face, will we see him just excited, his approval? Or is it, man, you you, you know, you just know that. I, I know that. Look, I know it as a parent. I know it from my mom and my dad. Seeing their face, I could tell if it was approval. Uh, just last week, one of my grandsons or two of my grandsons was playing some football and uh, one of them made a great play, and he happened to look over the sideline where I was, and I did not know what I was doing, but my son, my son was taping that, and he turned to me and see my face. My face was just lit up with pride that that play had been made. Yes. And what it is, we're here on the playing field. Just, you know, it's, yeah. it's more than a game, but it's real life. But Stephen looked up into heaven, and Jesus saw was standing. He saw the Lord. That was God's approval. Mm-hmm. This is my son. This is him. Now, this is what he did. Now, I know he said that to Jesus, but Jesus standing was pulling for him. It was his approval. I want his approval. I Amen. want to seek his face. Yes, I want his blessings from his hands, but I want approval from that face, from those eyes. You know, we we often, we've had the question, how can I know God's will for my life? And we often think about 
because people are thinking perhaps in terms of a job or where should I live or whom should I marry or what should I do. All right, here's a way to seek God's face, to want for yourself what God wants for you. Amen. See, how do you seek God's face? Well, yes, I mean, look to the Lord. Uh, Call unto me, you know, seek the Lord. All right. But God's face, quote unquote, is his person, his son Jesus, his word, truth, and the will of God for your life, apart from these other things, is, number one, God himself. God's will for your life is that he would be a part of your life. And to seek his face is to turn from sin to Christ. Number one, make sure that you're saved. And I want to ask every one of you, was there a time and a moment when you consciously said, Lord Jesus, please save me, forgive my sins. Lord, I believe in you. I believe who you are, the Son of God. I believe what you did. You died on the cross for me. Lord, I accept what you did on the cross as the payment for my sins. Lord, I repent. I'm turning to you. Please save me. Regardless of the phraseology, no matter how you say it, you're, you're trusting in Christ. All right. But then as a believer, um, I love, and this has become really important to me, how it says, Lord, may my ways be pleasing in your sight. You want your ways. Now, your ways include how you behave, what your attitude is, the state of your heart, your priorities, the way you use words, how you talk, and just how, how I think how you live, you know. Um, I've got to say this, and I'm going to get up on my soapbox only momentarily. <laughs> get up on there. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you need to be in church, okay? Say it again. <laughs> you need to be in church. Part of being a disciple is going to church. It just is. And nowadays, a lot of people, they say, well, I'm a Christian, but I, I, I don't go to church. Hebrews 10.25, if you're a Christian, find a church. Surely, if you live in the Western Hemisphere, surely there's a church somewhere near you. And I mean Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm going to say it, it, Sunday morning, and if they have Sunday night, you ought to be there. If they have Wednesday night, you ought to be there. If you're a Christian, part of seeking God's face is to be a part of a local church. We quote, Thus ends my little son. Amen. I want to verify that. We quote Spurgeon. We quote Vance Havener, Adrian Rogers. I guess those may be the three most quoted you and I do. Dr. Rogers said, every time you get up on Sunday morning, you go to church, you're saying, I still believe. When you stay home wondering, do they still believe? It's a testimony. Mm-hmm. Going to church, especially Sunday morning, I agree with you the other times too, but especially Sunday morning, mm-hmm. is saying, I still believe. I, it is a testimony of the Lord. And you're just talking about God's will for your life and delighting in Him. S- Psalm 37 4 has become one of my life verses. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, here's what I found out about that. Delight has the idea of just being consumed. You're just talking about his face, yes. delighting, is delighting yourself in his presence. Amen. That's what it means, in his face. And when I delight in him, he'll give the desires of my heart. You know why? Because my desires become his desires. Amen. In other words, I lay on the altar a bunch of the stuff <laughs> yeah. that I thought was really, really important. 
you know, and I come to the things that really matter. Yeah. And, and that's really what you want to get to in your life, the things that really matter. When you come to the end of your life, what do you want to be said? What do you want to have done? And it is serving the Lord, sharing with your family, loving them, being that life giver of testimony of Christ. Alex, we can delight in the Lord, seeking his face, turn from your wicked ways, and then pray, mm. and he'll hear our prayers. Friend, the greatest joy in life, the greatest decision you'll ever make is to become a follower of Jesus. And at Exploring the Word, and certainly at the American Family Association, we encourage you to know Christ and make him known. Again, you can listen to this program at AFR.net, forward the link and share it with somebody. Perhaps tell somebody about Exploring the Word. But Bert, most of all, what do we want people to do? Tell everyone about Jesus. 